Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Big show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a Big Show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake coming at you live from our Vivint Arena Carrier Zone Studios. Austin Horton across the glass from uh, me. We'll uh, catch up with Gordon here in a moment. But uh, since Gordon's having connection issues, Hans has remained seated. Would you like me to keep my mask on? Uh, no, no, I think we're all right. Oh, we're, hey, guys. We're, we're, far, <laughs> we're far enough apart. <laughs> that's not, not fun. Are you sure? That's not fun. <laughs> Austin, I'm kidding. Austin doesn't find that funny. You don't joke about those things. Uh, hey, while, <laughs> while I ha- have you here for a second, uh, yeah. seriously, uh, um, I heard your show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard you break down the, the BYU Coastal game. Uh, 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 real quick, where was the toughness from the Cougs? Where was that? Because that, that, that's a different game if, if BYU plays tough. And I heard you get into that today. First of all, you're absolutely right. It's a different game if they – just showed up to the fight and and not turned away from the fight. You know, when things, when push came to shove and and Coastal is going over the line with aggression, BYU backed down. They they didn't step up and say, no, we're not taking that. And, And you know who the catalyst is for that? It's typically quietly the catalyst. It's the offensive line. They're typically the ones that do something real cheap, real dirty, Real nasty. And it's kind of like, oh, but that's in the scheme of the game. Right. Like, I'm talking a defensive end is, is, you know, stood up by an offensive tackle, and a guard just comes down the line and just throws the elbow right into the kidney. And just, and then they bulldog him to the ground. And then that's where some of the fun things are said. Like, if you do that again, you beepity beep, I swear we will cut you in half and we will mail you back to your family. Like we will, we will do horrible things that will make your entire family cry on Christmas. Like you know, I'm go, I'm, I'm over the line, and I'm, but that's what happens, and that's what should have happened from every one of these guys, James Impey or Barrington or Herring or Christensen, somebody. And then, and then, if you have to, you know what I love doing? I loved because running backs and tight ends can be a nasty, just a little thorn in the side, calling them to protections and standing a guy up and then having Algier just run full bore and throw his helmet into the, the hip pointer. And, you know, like, and then throw take this guy down and, and tell him, because this guy, Gunter, that number 94, yeah. somebody needed to do something. That's the fight. And then you take it to them. And then he gets mad and then he throws the second punch and then he gets ejected. Yeah. 
You know, like get him down on the ground and tell him pin yourself. <laughs> I don't want to talk about no. that story anymore. Pin yourself. Yeah, last time you made me talk about that story, I had all people that are like you're you're just a yeah. They, they all, called me names. In all seriousness, you and I used to work with an offensive lineman, and if people thought real hard, they they could could probably figure it out. And not that I mind mentioning uh, <clears throat> this person's name, but he used to talk about. All the dirty stuff that went on on the offensive well, that, line when they were getting the, back at guys. The guy you're referencing uh-huh. was a henchman. Yeah, that was like his job on the team. Absolutely. <laughs> he was a henchman. He was is – it, is it Gugliotti? Who was the one that took the, the lead pipe? Gugliotti. Was it Tom Gugliotta? Tom Gugliotta, yeah. yeah. Is it Tom Gugliotta? Oh, no, no, no. You're talking oh. about uh, – are you talking about Nancy Kerrigan? Galuli. Galuli. Jeff Galuli. There you are. Yeah. The, the chef? <laughs> that that was this guy. Uh, yeah. he, he'd, t- he'd take the pipe to the knee at the half and make sure that that guy can't play the second half. Um, remember, that whole offensive line, Caleb Schlatteroff and Dustin Hensel and that, that whole crew, even Zane Taylor, they were all regulators and just nasty business. Played with that chip. Yeah, they were nasty business. Yeah. So as a defensive line, y- you come to the game and you're like, well, won't start nothing, won't be nothing. Because I don't think I want to start anything with these guys. But Coastal Carolina came to that game like, we're going to start something. We're going to start something. And, and you better be ready to, to get going with this. You know what it reminded me of, but um, in this case it was BYU bringing the toughness that was that was unexpected by the opponent. Remember when <laughs> when Jan got on TV – and the people down in Oklahoma called him a beer league softball player and all this. And all Jan's whole comment was, we're going to go down there and turn this into a brawl. Like, this is going to be, we're going to just punch as hard as we can and come out swinging and all this. And they were like, oh, 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 look at this beer league softball player. Look, look at beer league softball player. Totally remember. And then, and then in that BYU-Oklahoma game at Jerry World, where they just came out and physically manhandled one of the most physical teams in the country. Just ripped them in half. Yeah, and Oklahoma didn't know what— Colby Clawson knocked out their quarterback. Sam Bradford, right? Like in the first quarter or second quarter. And they had that Hit big, him so hard he couldn't breathe. They had that big offensive tackle, too, that went in the first round. They had God, a tight end that went the first yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, wow, what what hit us? This These guys are, are barroom brawlers, you know, and they win that game. I thought Coastal— brought that to this that's exactly what they brought yeah and i I was talking about this earlier jake um that is a that's an issue with playing for byu because when you play for byu there's kind of a perception of ah look at the the white church boys yeah the the return missionaries church boys and when i showed up as a true freshman in 1996 shame your brook and and Byron Frisch and Itulamili and Dustin Johnson. It was it was really a quick integration of hey, they're gonna think we're this, but this is who we are. <laughs> we're not. But they, we're gonna teach them really quick. This is who we are, and that's why sometimes I would go over the line. Oftentimes I would go over the line <laughs> because within the first quarter I needed them to know I'm not this pushover return missionary religious kid that isn't i'm here to to fight and you had to kind of do those things and you're right coastal carolina showed up they they brought a gun to a knife fight man and it was like at some point you wanted byu 
to just brawl. And that's, you know, when Isaiah Kafusi <clears throat> came off the sideline during the the scrum, <clears throat> when Coastal Carolina was dogging out on, on Zach Wilson before the half, somebody should have speared him right in his back while he was sitting on the ground. Somebody should have just come full barrel. And, and maybe it's just a kid on the sideline that— You, it, walk on. Do, go it, spear that it guy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Somebody—because that, that guy was sitting straight up. Yeah. Somebody needed to come and just throw their helmet right into his spine and cause damage. Bam. And and in that melee, just everybody would have been like, oh, that guy's gone. But that dude's still laying there. And, boy, BYU is not to be trifled with because that is just horrible. What we I brought up Kai Nakua. Now, Kai got yeah. all kinds of trash. but The Miami Beach brawl. Yeah, but Kai was out there trying to prove that, hey, we're not just these you know white Mormon boys off our mission. We're fighters, and we will get nasty and dirty if we have to. And Coast, you're right. Coastal Carolina brought that attitude. Yeah, they did. Okay, so the other thing I want to bring they're up. Good. They, 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 they are they good. They are good. They were good. And here's the thing. I'm now, I think, obsessed with their offense. I was I was joking with Austin uh, before the show. It's like their coach said, okay, give me all of the concepts in offensive football over the last 50 years, and I'm going to eat them, digest them, and what comes out is going to be this amazing hybrid of everything I've ever seen. Like it was the it was the Nebraska triple option combined with like the run and shoot. It was. I mean it 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 was one of the more interesting offenses I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And and what it led to was the easiest way. I, I think you'll agree with this. The easiest way to win a football game is to play good defense and run over the other team. Yes. That's the most embarrassing. That's what Coastal Care. It, way to it's dominate. hard to win a football game when you get run over. And BYU got run over. And that that triple option scheme or whatever it was. I mean they. They ran BYU over, and I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. You know, I, I did. I don't think I got to talk about this with Scotty, but they blocked Kairos Tonga with one guy most of the night. I heard you talking about yeah. that. Yeah, and it wasn't the five nine center either, right? Nope, nope. It was uh, it was misdirection blocks. It was, and I, I've been I've been in trenches before where you don't know where it's coming from. You know, the Navy or Air Force offense is kind of a, a common component to that style but as you mentioned it's not it wasn't navy and air force because it it wasn't there wasn't that much movement after the snap it was it was more of an identified route or number of where they're going but with that being said you know they're pulling that five nine center probably three out of five running plays two out of five running plays and then they're blocking down on guards but the crazy thing is is is, as kairos tonga could have been the end-all, be-all defensively, the crazy thing is, is let's say one play, the center pulls, and the left guard blocks down on you, and you realize really quickly that that was a sprint out and you needed to get across face. Well, then you're thinking, well, next time he blocks down on me, I've got this. Yes. Well, all of a sudden, center pulls, he blocks down on you, you fight, you you know, you do what they call the hump the block, they fight the block and get overneath or underneath it. And that ball comes on a dive right where you just right where you were right where you just swiped from. <laughs> yeah, that's what Coastal Carolina did to Kyrus Tonga, and then they doubled Daw, then and they pushed Daw back into the backers and just really quick off that double, just a nice little combo block to the backer, and it was time and time and time again. That's the I think Daw probably walked out of that game thinking, how did I get doubled that many times and why? Because Dawes usually getting singled and Tonga's is getting doubled. Yeah. So, you've got a great eye, Jake. Because 
not only was the offense what you talked about, just a lot of different aspects of a lot of great offenses, but it was also a blocking scheme that confused and I'm sure irritated Kairos. Because when you're Kairos Tonga, what you do is in that point of frustration, you just grab somebody and you lift them up and you run with them and you make a play in the backfield, right? Well, out of my aggression, I grab you, I run into the backfield, and then the running back sidesteps and just goes right to where you were. So your aggression is used against you. Well, it. I was really impressed with the offense. In fact, there were there was a different story that that jumped out at me on on Sunday. And you know, I love I love uh, me some Beamer ball, and Frank Beamer is my hero. But uh, South Carolina hired Shane Beamer, Frank's son, yesterday to be their next head coach. And I don't I was never all that impressed with Shane myself. But if I were South Carolina University of South Carolina, I would have hired Chadwell based on that game alone. Because obviously that Chadwell guy knows how to recruit the area because there were some good players on that team. It's not like they were just plucky and played real hard. I mean, there were some there were some ballers on that team. And with that kind of offensive creativity, I'd love to see that at the SEC level. I couldn't believe that South Carolina hired Frank. I was like, Shane Beamer, I would have hired that Chadwell guy based on that BYU game alone. Great game plan. His players obviously love playing for him. They played like their hair was on fire the whole time. Creativity. Yeah. I don't know. I, if I'm a if I'm a big time school, I'm looking at that dude right now. Well, I'll tell you. It, by the way, I totally agree because that offense was that style. I'll tell you the other thing, the other issue I had, and I was talking about this. I had a conversation with Will Snowden like at eight o'clock Sunday morning. We were waking up still trying to gather our thoughts on how what happened happened, and. I told Will, I said that the thing, the issue for me this morning, let's say I'm a defensive lineman on that BYU team that just played against Coastal Carolina. I'm waking up and I have nowhere to turn. I don't have anything to blame. I, I can't say, oh, if our offense wouldn't have fumbled five times. Right. Or I can't, I, well, our DBs just couldn't cover deep. Or, well, our special teams had three. It's, this was blunt force trauma. All you can do is sit there on the edge of your bed on, in the next morning and just think, I can't, I cannot guess right. And I couldn't, I couldn't stop the double. And, and their, their first step in their get off was insane. And at no point could I read their count. That's the other thing, man. It felt like Coastal Carolina had some type of count that BYU couldn't get off the ball. Yeah. And their, and their old line was first to engage. Typically, you see Tonga engage, which he did on two occasions. You saw that two-point conversion mm. where the Kairos stopped. He was into the offensive line before they went into him. But most of the time, those guys were engaging before D, the D-line was truly out of their stance. Mm. So there's a, there's a heavy load for each of them to bear on that because it was the worst kind of loss. That's the worst kind of loss as a defense. Well, listening to to Kalani today, though, and uh, I know he said something like this after the game, too, but I'm just glad they played it. It was one heck of a football game, and I know BYU fans are bummed, and I wish that the playoff committee would uh, kind of have their hand forced by a good yeah, right. BYU team. You know, those, those are all kind of disappointing things. But, man, I'm sure glad they— you know, drove that big equipment truck cross country, and BYU uh, went on a drop of a dime or a drop of a hat, um, and was saying, "Let's play it," because you know what? It was a heck of a game. So if right you, down to the end, I mean, where it was a yard short. Holy cow! I mean, it. 
It was really exciting. I was really glad that BYU played it. If you're BYU's athletic director right now, Jake, how, tell me how you're feeling about your decision and, and how things went. Well, I'll, I'll believe Tom Homo and what he said in his press conference last week, that he was doing it for his team. I, t- I truly believe that. In fact, that was, that was a really great moment, I thought, in that whole media availability where he said, you know what, I, I'm doing it for these guys. And I go out there because these guys want to play and they want to have every opportunity. He even got emotional talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so I, that really rang true to me. So I would guess that he has no regrets. I'd hope not. He gave those guys the opportunity to go out there and play and prove themselves and do it against a good ball club. And it came up short and it didn't go their way. But, I mean, it's I was happy they had the opportunity to do it. I was happy that team had the opportunity to go play. I would hope Tom doesn't regret it. It was a treat of a game. It was great. It was close. It yeah. was Both teams wanted it bad. Yeah. Wanted it bad. And you heard him in the pregame talking about how this was the biggest game in Coastal Carolina football history. And that team totally played like it. BYU had a ton on the line. I mean, I I was disappointed they weren't a little tougher, but they wanted it. I mean, they wanted that game. The the it was. I mean, I think the the commentators who were just dreadful, by the way, they were just dreadful. But they said, "Oh, this has all oh, the feeling of a playoff game," and it kind of did, you know. And and it wasn't perfect by any means, but I had I had a blast watching it. I'll tell you that. I know you've watched a lot of BYU teams over the years, and and now this loss and and. BYU's got an opportunity to at least get some feel goods off of a, a San Diego State win if if they can rebound and come out and do that. How do you feel about this team? What would you do with them in the rankings now, Jake? Oh, they'll they'll stay in the top twenty five, but they'll drop. Playoff committee will probably drop them further than than the pollsters do. In fact, those polls are out, right? I haven't seen. Yeah, them. they are down to sixteen and fourteen. Right, that, that sounds about right. AP's and, got them fourteen. And coaches sixteen. They'll, they'll I think something there. Go to a terrible bowl if they're lucky, and and hopefully get another game. But I mean, that's that's how the chips fall. Unfortunately, when you're an in independent team, Kalani kind of alluded to the f- fact that they might go to the. Well, he did it by saying, "I don't know if we're going to pick up a December nineteenth because of bowl scheduling." So, which would put him in the Idaho Potato Bowl. Hey, the twenty second. I want to see Zach Wilson play as many times as I can because I don't think he's coming back, nor do I think he should. And I think this BYU team is good. I'm, my opinion on that has not changed. I I think they're a good football team, and I want to see him play as many times as I possibly can. I never thought that they were going to make the New Year Six to begin with, so I I don't know. Maybe fans out there are feeling crushed. I would have liked to have seen them force the issue with the playoff committee, though. Because the playoff committee was definitely jobbing them. I mean, that was 100% intentional. And now they get let off the hook, right? Because BYU loses, and now they can go, well, that's that's why we had them there. Okay, so I, just out of curiosity, because I think you do an amazing job with the projections and stuff like that. You've been doing this for so many years. So, okay, out of curiosity, Dax Milne gets that pass, leans forward, and gets it over the line. And BYU wins that game by a, a fingernail, but but was beat up for four quarters. Just to your point, saying that they wouldn't get into near six, what does the college football playoff committee do with them this week? I actually talked about this on Friday. Regardless of it, of how BYU beat Coastal, they would get bumped up to 11. So the committee could go, oh, see? See, yeah, they, they beat a good team, so we gave them some respect. Here you go. But the, the trick is at 11 – you're not high enough to really force their hand. Right, because they don't have to take the top 12. No, mm-hmm. they don't. And, in fact, with other conference tie-ins, 
it makes it really unlikely unless you're top nine or top eight even if you are BYU. Because there's a there's a scenario out there with the ACC. Say Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC title game. Those two make it into the playoff, and Miami still goes to the Orange Bowl. So there's three slots of the New Year's Six coming from one conference. And then the SEC gets in at least two. I mean, you can, you can do the math from there. But yeah. these these bowls are going to take the conference tie-ins. I mean, think, you know, uh, we're familiar with the Rose Bowl out here a lot. I mean, they're going to take the second-place Pac-12 team if another team gets into the tournament just because that's Correct. the relationship. So Absolutely. No it's question no different asked. than the, the Sugar Bowl or the Orange Bowl. The, the Fiesta Bowl lesser so, right, because they only have a tie-in with one league, I think, the Big 12? The, the, the last I knew, yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's complicated and dumb to a certain extent, but the, the committee did not want to give BYU its own share put in his pocket. No way. It, they, they weren't going to do that unless they absolutely had to. And, again, that's why I do appreciate that BYU and, and Tom Holman, everybody stepped up and tried to force their hand. I mean, they, they tried. Yeah. And and let's say they win that game, and then they play San Diego State, and they've got that December 19th opening. I do think you would see Tom Homo and BYU try to put their foot down and push to the metal and, and try to get a good game on December 19th. Yep. To see if they could maybe sneak in and get those millions and millions in money from the New Year's Six. Can you imagine here for a second, though, if BYU gets a 12-game schedule in? Oh, it'd be, it'd be hilarious. When, when teams in the Pac-12 are going to play four, yeah, maybe five certain teams, BYU gets a 12, 12 games. games. That'd be amazing. You 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 would hand Tom Homo AD of the year for the next decade. Yeah, to be able to get that many games to in. To get 12 games in where they just erased your entire original schedule. Hard-fought 12. Some leagues aren't playing any non-conference games whatsoever. And if they were actually to schedule and play, mind you, and play, because they lost that Army game, schedule and play 12 games. That'd be nuts. Well, I think uh, I think that the, the Pac-12 is currently looking at options to expand and, and maybe play an extra game if they can, if they can sneak it in. Uh, and I think that there's money that's being kind of waved in, in front of their face a little bit. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I've heard rumblings. Uh, that there is talk about trying to get another game in. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there. But that would get them to what, six? Get the Pac-12 teams? Yeah, because well, most of them have had one cancellation. It, has has anybody played every game? I'm trying to think. I, Oregon State. Oregon State has played every game. If I'm not mistaken. Whoops, I shouldn't have said that. I think you're right, though. I think Oregon State maybe has played here. We can bring up the standings real quick. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Pac-12, that's a whole different conversation, obviously. And Oregon State's played five games. So I think that's all of them so far. UCLA's played five. So you And Oregon's played five. So Oregon, Oregon Pac-12's State. Pac-12's a mess. Oregon and Washington losing. Oh, <laughs> You know what's funny? Uh, I remember a specific uh, Pac-12 media day. God, it was – I could tell you exactly where we were situated, but I couldn't tell you what movie lot we were on. Uh, oh, you know who – it was the uh, – it was the um, – um, Drez Anderson, and who was the other one? There? And Nate Orchard, Pac-12 media day. 
Remember that? Yeah, sure. And UPK and I were talking about how the Pac-12 is just going to eat itself alive and basically never get into the tournament again. And I think PK looked at me and he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, because there's not a big dog. And it's because it's all these good programs. And I've seen it in the ACC for years. There's no great team, but there's a bunch of good ones. And so you're just going to do nothing but, you know, eat your own. And you're just never going to have that undefeated. And it's like, it's exactly what's happened. It's they can't, exactly what's they happened. They can't get out of their own way. It's, it, it, well, and it's, it's shocking to me. To two years, they've, they've had two bids in seven years. It's terrible. It's not good. And it's not. Uh, Well, I remember that conversation because I thought, remember, I said, I believe it's eight, maybe nine out of 10 years. Right. That the Pac-12 will have an entrant. And I couldn't have been further off. Well, the system rewards the, the big dog. I mean, the truth is, like, look at the ACC. It's Clemson and everyone else. I mean, there's nobody even close. I mean, UVA was a good story last year, but they get to the ACC title game. What happened? Whew. And Notre Dame's pretty good this year, but they're not. I know they're a member of the league this year, but not usually, right? Right. But yet the ACC, nobody ever looks at them and says, boy, they're really struggling. Well, how's the ACC going to catch up? Because they have this big dominant program. But the Pac-12 should and doesn't. Because UCLA, or excuse me, USC, just can't find the guy to tape it back together again like Pete Carroll did. For a variety of reasons, right? Washington's had their time. Oregon has all sorts of advantages, but Oregon and Washington have never been really good at the same time. They just kind of take turns. And then you've got a lot of coaching turnover and a lot of mediocrity. So you've got six years of college football playoff to take from, okay? Six years. Uh, To your point, Clemson has been in five of those six, and it'll be – Seven, or sorry, six of those seven this year. If they beat Notre Dame. Right. Florida State got in one time. And won it all with Jameis, right? Uh Uh-huh. So the ACC has had a total of six teams in six years. Okay. The SEC has had a total of seven teams in six years. Alabama five times, LSU once, Georgia once. And Georgia was the year they they and Alabama made it together. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. That was the the two SEC team year. Uh, The Big Ten... Has been in it four times, Ohio State three, Michigan State once, the Pac-12, Oregon once, Washington once. The Big 12, Oklahoma four times, and one independent with Notre Dame. That's that's the breakdown. The Pac-12 has been br- brutally beat up and, and, and does it internally. You're right. Well, one one last thing, and this has been a great convo, Hans. But I, I guess we've got Gordon dialed up. We'll get to him on the other side. Can we can we both agree that Oklahoma at zero and four? Can we stop giving them the benefit of the doubt and in getting into the playoff? Let's give somebody else the benefit of the doubt for a change. It's insane. <laughs> it, no, it really is. They it's get insane. stomped every time they get in, and yet every year rolls around. And like, who should that fourth spot go to? Oh, look at the Sooners. They've got a flashy quarterback and a coach who's handsome. Just one time. Just just keep just do the right thing. <laughs> Hey, thank you, my you friend. Bet, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, and hey, your 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 work with pre and post and all your weekend stuff, it's all it's all great. Appreciate thank you, you for all you do. All right, Gordon joins us coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 the zone. You're locked on to the big show, presented by Big O Tires. 
Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Band of the Day today is selected by Hans, Fiona Apple, Brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. It's your fault, Austin, for letting Hans choose Band of the Day. I knew that wasn't going to go well as soon as you uh, brought that up with him. I thought he'd go with, like, Neil Diamond or at least something that's, you know, not as embarrassing. No, no. Uh, Thanks to Hans for sitting in for a moment. We were having some technical issues. But joining us now, safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Hey, Jigster. Hi, Gordon. How are you? It's good to be here. It's good to have the equipment all working and whatnot. Yeah, what what happened? I don't know. These are powers beyond me. It has to do with uh, a combination of things, I guess. So uh, yeah. you didn't pour your Diet Coke all over the machine? No. No? <laughs> no, I think, I, I think I'm pretty – well, I don't want to get cocky with this machine because I, I think I know what I'm doing with it. But every once in a while, something outside my control goes a little wacko. I see. Okay. So I can't rip hands for picking a bad band because he was nice enough to sit in. What's the matter with Fiona Apple? I know nothing about Fiona Apple. Is this a, is this not a good band? What, what you just heard is all you'll hear all day. It's the, it's <laughs> coffee shop hipster uh, angst of a of a single person band kind of thing. I don't know. It's much, like Sarah McLaughlin. I don't know much about her either, but I know she's had a couple of you know pop hits or whatever, and I didn't care for them. Is uh, is it kind of like whiny rock? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. She's the same as Jewel or uh, 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 Jagged Little Pill. What's her name? Morissette. Alanis Morissette. <laughs> you know that 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 music you listen to when you're in a bad mood and you want to be in a worse one. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. Huh? <laughs> you know, I'm just okay. I'm just too happy today. Right. You know what? I'm not in a good mood, and I'm not in a good mood enough to be in a good mood. So I'm just going to make it worse. Uh-huh. Where you kind of well, wallow in it a little bit. But why do people make that kind of music? You know? Well, I mean, she's a zillionaire, I'm sure, so that might be it. Uh, well, why, do why does Kiss wear listening? that rid- ridiculous makeup? <laughs> There's a lot of questions that we don't have answers to. But uh, I don't know. Maybe Fiona Apple is what uh, BYU fans were listening to after the other night. Uh, we'll get into BYU. I, I want to throw a, a quick tease to uh, drop of the day. Sounds of various clips at five thirty because it's it's going to be a real humdinger today. Oh, all right. There's a there's a gripping new movie out, and we're going to play the trailer at five thirty. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, this is this is really something. Is it really gripping, or is it just like uh, grabbing you and slapping you upside the head? It's it's gripping. It's you, okay. you're gonna you're gonna want to stick around. Um, I kind of chatted a little bit about uh, a few of my takes with Hans there on, on the BYU Coastal game, Gordon. Why don't, why don't you uh, take us this segment and give a few thoughts of yours? Well, the number one thing, and I'm sure this is what you guys were talking about, because it was obvious to anybody who watched that game, and it was equally surprising, I think, to most of us who have watched the Cougars play all year long, is that they couldn't control the uh, the trenches. They couldn't control the line of scrimmage either on offense or defense. And that, I don't know about you, Jake, but that was that was really surprising to me. I thought BYU would be able to be dominant in that regard, and the Cougars weren't. That And that set up so much of the rest of what went wrong for BYU in a game 
that uh, I don't know. I mean, they looked unprepared, actually, I thought, to some extent. And I don't want to take anything away from Coastal Carolina because I was impressed with the Chanticleers, those uh, rugged roosters. Uh, I thought they played with a lot of spirit. They played hard. And they were they had a chip on their shoulders, man. They were getting after it. And BYU did not look like it was ready, either on the offensive side of the trench or the defensive side. And I think that defensive side really shocked me uh, from a standpoint of they. Uh, you're talking. We're talking. When you play a team like this, you're talking about assignment football, right? You got to know what your assignment is, and you can't get overly aggressive. You got to do what your job is and handle that business and BYU failed to do that. And they and so what happened was uh, you saw it Coastal Carolina went on these long extended drives and and uh you know Zach Wilson standing over there on the sideline waiting for his turn to get back out there and do some damage and it they were just too few and far between. When one team I know time of possession is overrated in some instances but when one team holds the ball for 37 minutes and 51 seconds and you've got it for 22:09, well, you better score a touchdown on every possession and do it quick in order to survive that kind of dominance. It'd be why you couldn't. What say you? Well, you, you certainly covered a lot of ground, and, and Hans and I uh, touched on some of it. Uh, it brought up toughness. You know, I, Coastal Carolina was definitely the tougher team, and I'm with you. I, I, I did not uh, I did not really expect that from BYU. But, you know, football, and, and we've talked about this a lot, uh, talking about different subjects, but, you know, if football is a simple game, you know, we can, we can get cute with spreading it out and, and the quarterbacks and throwing for a zillion yards, but the, the easiest way to win a football game is to play def- decent defense and run over the other team. If the other team, if you can't stop the run, then you're you're in real trouble. And yeah. and Coastal Carolina came out with that offense that I love. I love that offense. What a creative offense! I, I haven't seen anything like that. It was it was old school, but it was new school. I mean, it was. I just thought it was really creative. I thought it was really great. In fact, I told Hans this. I said, if I were South Carolina University, South Carolina, I would have hired that guy. Before he got out of the locker room, because I, I think that was a well-coached Coastal Carolina team, and I love that offense. But you know what? If you're if you're getting run over, and this goes into your your trench take, Gordon, where BYU wasn't doing anything up front to stop it, and you're just going to let them get first down after first down after first down running the football. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why would they do anything different? And you're probably going to lose that game. And and you can look at the at the the time of possession. I think that's a symptom of of certainly what we saw. But that's, you know, when is Zach Wilson not throwing touchdowns on you? When he's yeah. standing on the sideline uh, trying to figure out what he's uh, going to do next time he actually gets on the field, you know? And and Coastal Carolina, I, I thought Coastal Carolina was a really good team, and I po- thought they played really tough football. And BYU didn't really respond to the toughness. And, and as a result, couldn't get Coastal off the field and didn't give Zach Wilson enough opportunities to win the game. And with that said, it came down to a yard, Gordon. It was one heck of a game. I I enjoyed every second watching it. Uh, A fun game to watch, no doubt about it, and uh, a competitive game in every way, as the score suggested. And BYU comes up a yard or two short. But it was bigger than just that. I've heard some BYU fans, ah, you know, if they'd scored a touchdown on that last play. I, I think the issues run deeper than that. It's not just a matter of, of scoring and, and getting out of there by the skin of your teeth. 
It's uh, it's BYU had some fundamental issues that you were just talking about that they could not master in that game. And it was obvious to anybody who was watching. You know, and game day was there, and all those guys did their predictions, and all of them picked BYU. Everybody thought BYU was going to win that game. Everybody but Dustin Johnson, who went to the school. Of course, he's going to be somewhat biased. He's going to pick his own alma mater. I get that. But everyone expected BYU to be able to outmuscle that team uh, and outspirit that team. And they, they could do neither. And uh, it was it was it was a, a nice showing for Coastal Carolina, and and BYU has to walk away from that. Going, man, we blew that, you know. And I don't even want to say that it was BYU's, you know, BYU beat itself. Uh, there was some of that involved in this. Coastal Carolina deserves a lot of credit for what they did, and BYU really struggled uh, to uh, to make the most of it. I think if BYU if they had scored on that 91 yard touchdown pass, there had been that holding call on that, and they get up in that game. I think uh, Coastal Carolina comes back and probably has similar success to what they would have had otherwise. But then I think BYU should have powered these guys a little bit. I mean, I Tyler Algier. I don't know how many carries he ended up with, Jake. I don't know if you have the numbers I in do. front he of you. He had 13. I would have given him twice that many. You know, I just would have smashed these guys in the mouth and had him go after them and uh, mix in some some passing plays and and just punish it and maybe eat up some of the clock yourself. You know, but uh, BYU uh, was unable to. Algier still ended up with over a hundred yards, of, but uh, but BYU's offense could not get in a rhythm. It was jointed. It just didn't look right and. Something else Coastal Carolina did that is related to what we were talking about before is they pressured Zach Wilson. You know, he was under duress. He's not used to that. Well, they, that, they came after him. And he ended see... up. Oh, sorry, Gordon. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, he just ended up taking off running on plays that uh, ordinarily he might have done that a little bit here and there, but not like that. Well, uh, he, re- he really struggled to uh, to get comfortable in the pocket. Brady Christensen today took credit for the loss. He he or took the blame, I guess, for the loss. Said uh, if the offensive line had, had played better, they would win that game. Now I I, I appreciate him um, stepping up to the table, and I think there are any number of things you can point at. But to your point, into Brady's, they were getting that pressure with three and four guys. I mean, it's not yeah. like they were. It's not like they were bringing the house. In fact, far right. from it. And and I, that surprised me a little bit. Um, that that was an issue because that certainly was an issue. You're right about that. And if if they had to bring the house to to get that pressure, I bet you Zach could have been effective getting rid of the football. But when you've got all those guys in your face and the other team's still dropping seven or eight guys, I mean, that that's tough sledding right there, right? The problem for BYU beyond all these details, and I agree with everything you've said, Jake, is that when you play a schedule like the Cougars have, you cannot have a slip up against the premium talent you play. You just can't because they're so far and few few and far between. You can't you can't do it. If you're going to play a schedule like this, yeah, you're going to benefit from being better than almost everybody you play. But then when you come up against a challenge, you cannot fold. And BYU folded. They they did not take advantage of the opportunity that that to their credit, they were hungry for. And they went after traveling all that wave and within, you know, two or three days notice. 
and but but they didn't show up the way they had to. Could BYU beat Coastal Carolina? Yeah, I think they could. They could if they were properly uh, functioning. If uh, it's like the coach always says, you got to execute. Well, they didn't execute the way they needed to on both sides of the ball. Some people are blaming the defense. Some people are blaming the offense uh, because I mean, what three points in the second half? Uh, is that what it was? Uh, that, that's just it's not good enough. I think you got to do better. I think folded is a little strong of language for me, to be honest. I don't know if BYU folded. I I think I think Coastal Carolina played a really good football game, and I think they're I think they're a good football team. I think Coastal's really good. And and if BYU would have had a full week of preparation for that offense, I think that could have helped them. But I folded just seems strong. I don't. I guess I don't necessarily. What's the right word? I, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with your sentiment. But I don't. I mean, I thought BYU played hard. I did. I thought they played hard. They maybe needed to play a little tougher. They weren't perfect. But I don't know if that team went out and folded. I I think that might be discounting Coastal a little bunch for me. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Because cause Coastal played, they played like their hair was on fire, man. They, yeah, I, I was they talking did. to Hans about this. Before the game, they labeled it the biggest game Coastal Carolina football has ever played. And those <laughs> players played like that was the biggest game they've ever played. They in. sure I mean, did. They, they played so hard. And I thought that they were really coached really, really well. And I'm with you. I, I think if BYU were to play that game again, I absolutely give them a shot at winning it. But Coastal played great. I was, they played really. They played the. They had a game plan. They executed it to a T, and it was the game plan they needed to do to beat BYU, and it worked. Well, two things. One is they didn't change much as far as their offense goes. That's no. what they do. Yeah. That's what. That's what. That's who they are. That's what they do, and they've they've uh, they've mastered it. And so that part of it, uh, defensively. They they did what I mean I have talked to so many quarterbacks through the years, and they all almost every one of them I may there may be one exception but most of them I asked them what is it that you fear the most and they say pressure. If if I can't get comfortable in the pocket then I struggle, and that's exactly what that defense did to Zach Wilson. He was not comfortable. He was running around all over the place. The timing was off. He had some nice throws, and BYU did have some some success, but just not not nearly consistent enough in order to get that win. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Uh, We'll get Gordon's thoughts on the Utes. We've got what's going on coming up at uh, 3 o'clock. Frank Dolce joins the show at 4. Patrick Kinahan will be on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, man. It's The Big Show. Uh, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay tuned for tomorrow's edition of Austin's List. It should be pretty good. 
Uh, Gordon, we're going to do what's going on at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. We'll get some highlights from Kalani Satake's press conference today. But I uh, want to get your thoughts on the Utes. They get uh, their first win of the year. They beat the Mighty Beeves 30-24 to at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Um, any number of different storylines to go with here, positive and negative for, for that matter, Gordon. But uh, what do you think? What, what was your first major takeaway from this game? Uh, boy, I tell you, Utah is such a young team, and I know a lot of people like to use that as an excuse. I don't use it as an excuse as much as I do as uh, an explanation. They need uh, some seasoning. They need to figure some things out. And uh, too many mistakes in this game, too many penalties. Uh, Those guys need – they're talented. They're talented and they're young, and they need to grow up a little bit on the field and the only way they can do that is is by playing games and that's what this season is good for for this club so that that's what i i think of i mean without without uh britain covey's punt return they they might have lost that game when i when when the beavers had a chance those two opportunities uh, in the last five minutes of the game to drive down and score the game-winning touchdown. Didn't you think that the Utes would, might be in big trouble based on what you saw in that fourth quarter? Yeah. So, uh, But they but the defense rose up and stopped them, and, and the Utes get their win. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, a uh, little bit upset afterward. Uh, he can see that the team needs to grow up a little bit and needs to learn to uh, play cleaner football. But... Uh, talented team that that needs to know a little more about what it's doing and i do have questions as we all do about the quarterback play i mean even if the utes are really talented and they can grow into what they might be able to be they have to get fine performances out of that position and jake bentley i mean you can't be overthrowing guys you can't be missing guys when they're standing open in the end zone I would say the number one thing I took from that game, Gordon, and I think those are, are several good observations, but as far as the most important thing uh, that I saw to this program uh, over the weekend against Oregon State is that Ty Jordan is a baller, and he <laughs> yes, is going he is. to be balling out for the Utes for a long, long time, and it's amazing that this program finds stud after stud after stud Going back to to uh, Coach Max, the starting of his run at Utah. Every year they have a baller tailback. Sometimes it takes them a little longer to identify that player than others. But Ty Jordan is that dude, and uh, you know I, I have no doubt that that Brumfield is is going to continue to get some work. And Wilmore, I know didn't play, but uh, I would guess he'll get uh, get some work too. But uh, RB1 is Ty Jordan, and regardless of the outcome of this game against Oregon State, identifying that. And giving a freshman an opportunity to beat out some guys that have been in the program a little longer than him it will be the most beneficial thing about uh, about this game for the Utes going forward. Yeah, that's a good observation on your part. I agree with it completely. But I still think that even with a great tailback, you've got to get better play out of your quarterback. I mean, look, Jake Bentley can do some things. I get it. It's not like he's he, he, he can't function. But he's just got to be better than he was. And can he be? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. But he needs to be. Because this team needs to have some, and that's really good. I mean, when you've got a freshman running back who is showing what he can do, maybe uh, he can carry part of that part of that uh, burden. But they need, uh, they need more uh, out of the most important position on the field. Okay. But you could have said that for the last, what, 15 years? 
Oh, I know. They got pretty good quarterback play last year. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. That was that was still a running defensive team. Yeah, but uh, I thought Ty Huntley played really. Uh, Tyler Huntley played really well last year. Okay, I thought he was okay. I mean, I I, I laughed out loud when they started a last minute Heisman campaign for him, like with like a week to go. He was okay. <laughs> I mean, he he was he was good in a wit sense that he didn't turn the ball over a lot last year. I thought he was better than okay. Uh, and and that's what they need out of that position in my at least what they got last year and that's I just, not what they're getting right now. I mean, Alex Smith hasn't walked through that door in a long time. Brian Johnson was pretty good, but after that, I mean, meh. I mean, Travis. There was a there was several years of Travis Wilson meh, you know, and and there were a couple years of Tyler Huntley meh. And there was, a, there, was a, there was a there was a Troy Come Williams on. meh in there somewhere. But but the point is is if you can recruit baller tailbacks, you know, go with it. You're probably not going to recruit a lot of baller receivers and a lot of baller quarterbacks because you're a run team. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I, I as I said, I'm going to give Tyler Huntley a little more credit than you are. But it was a nice discovery. Ty uh, Ty Jordan looks good. Yes, he does. All right, we'll have uh, what's going on coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.